Welcome to the Journey to Cloud9 podcast, where we ask nine questions to amazing people around the world about how they live lives full of meaning and purpose. On today's episode, Jordan interviews Linda Lopek. Linda is a business mentor and digital marketing expert that works to help entrepreneurs create their masterpieces and crash-proof their futures by making competition irrelevant. To find out more about Linda, check out the links in the show notes. All right, Linda. Well, I'm so glad that we're chatting about your Cloud9 life and how you live your life on Cloud9. I know it's going to inspire many, many other people as you do with your work anyway. But the, the first thing I wanted to ask you is, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the phrase Cloud9? Well, that phrase has been around a long time, as you uh, know. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with the origin of it? I am, but I've heard many different stories, so you tell me. I'm very curious. Well, no one's really sure uh-huh. uh, when the expression or where the expression came from, but yeah. some people believe that originally it was uh, on Cloud 7, uh-huh. and that, that was like associated with the concept of 7th Heaven. Okay. So, a Cloud9 experience for me is a, a heavenly experience, but sure. um, others you know, think that Cloud9 was chosen because it's a mystical number. Uh-huh. I'm not too okay. familiar with the history of that. Uh-huh. And of course, you know, uh, when weathermen talk about Cloud9, what they're talking about is clouds that rise to 40,000 feet. And when you're on such a cloud, you literally feel like you're on top of the world. Yes. That is the def that's the interpretation I knew. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a cool start. I didn't know that cloud seven bit. Mm. Is that um, like, do you know where that interpretation is from? Like, was it from a different country or I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's just uh, it's just what some yeah. people believe. That, uh-huh. that was the origin originally, and then it got changed to Cloud9. Wow. Uh, so historically, I think that there's uh, a good a good relationship between heavenly, yeah, um, above the clouds, feeling on top of the world, right. So. Well, wow. yeah, and that's so cool to hear because at first, when I was considering writing the book for the journey to Cloud Nine, mm-hmm. I had just read Mitch Albom's sequel to the Five People You Meet in Heaven, the next person. Oh yes, yes. Heaven. And uh, yeah. at first, I was going to make my book an interpretation of what happens when you get to heaven, where you mm-hmm. would go to. Uh, one of nine clouds and on each cloud Mm -hmm. you would relive a certain life experience and then finally Mm -hmm. when you got to the ninth cloud you got to relive your entire life as if it were like the perfect life Mm -hmm. Um, so that's really funny that that there's like this heaven sort of origin story very cool anyway I don't want to you know go over this the whole time but um, thank you for sharing that that's great so Linda I want to ask you I'm going to ask you what your cloud nine moment is, but before you share that story, I just want you to describe to listeners what that moment feels like for you. What are some of the words you'd use to describe it? Or what are some of the emotions that you have coming up inside of you when you're experiencing a cloud nine moment? Well, interestingly, 
I'm one of those people that's a huge proponent of mm -hmm. living in the now. Yes. So I don't waste a lot of time thinking about what went on yesterday or what might happen tomorrow. And consequently, every single moment that you're breathing has the potential to be a cloud nine moment. If mm -hmm. you're living your best life and doing your best work, which is, of course, what I always try to do. And um, I don't have any requirements for uh -huh. a cloud nine moment, which is yeah. probably why I have so many of them. Uh-huh. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I think we're on the same page when I say that there are no ordinary moments, um, truly, because it's how we frame them and how we interpret each one. So I'm so with you there. Linda, what, how do you start your day on cloud nine? What does a cloud nine morning look like to you? Uh, well, the, the mornings are reserved for me. Uh huh. I do not do any client work, interviews, or any other human interaction <laughs> in the morning hours. Yeah. That's when I, I do a lot of my writing. I do a lot of my research. It's mm -hmm. my most uh, creative and productive time. So yeah. I try isolate the morning hours for myself yeah. mm -hmm. and depending on the day it could unfold in a number of different ways but the mm -hmm. one common thing is that there's no human interaction no human interaction okay is that because you want to make sure that you're approaching the day with sort of your best self so that you can have great human interactions well, yes, in the mm -hmm. afternoons is mm -hmm. when I do my client work three mm -hmm. days a week. Mm -hmm. So I want to be in the best mental shape for right. that. Yeah. Uh, and by keeping the mornings clear for my thinking, there's, there's no stress, there's no distraction. Sure. It's just pure focus on my top priorities, things yeah. that are important to me. Might be health, it might be nutrition it might be cleaning up my space anything that serves my peacefulness is how i spend the morning and then uh, in the afternoons i am totally on and totally there for yeah. all the people i'm interacting with i love it i love it out of curiosity are you an introvert or an extrovert i'm an extreme introvert practically bordering on hermit wow that's surprising most, uh, most people who see me on stage and whatnot would never guess yeah. how severe introverted I am. Uh -huh. But the difference is when I'm on stage, I'm performing, I'm doing right. my work. Yes. And I'm very excellent at my work. Right. So, but when I am in public uh, and appearing on various stages, I do have to retreat to yes. my room afterward yes. because the performance of my work and doing mm -hmm. my job well is very, very draining for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you get your recovery time is by yourself. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay. I love that. So if you're doing some nighttime reflection one, one night and you're assessing the day that you had and you say, wow, that was an exceptional cloud nine day. Is there anything that stands out from the day that you would think of to say this kind of phrase when i'm unaware of time passing uh, i'm okay. living a cloud nine day that's great yeah so you're familiar with the concept of flow and 
Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Most of my time, fortunately, yeah. is spent in flow. Amazing. And uh, so the the days might seem like they're you know boring and predictable and all this, but sure. not very many people have the opportunity to have that much flow time. In yeah. The but I've designed my life to be like that, and it's right. been this way for almost past several. Well, I've been working for fifty three years now, so. Uh-huh. Most of that time has been flow work. That's amazing. Incredible. That's extraordinary. What does a cloud nine meal look like for you? Any meal that I don't have to cook for myself. (laughs) How often does that happen? I do not like cooking. Uh I resent the time it takes to Uh go away from my work. So anytime anybody cooks for me, that's a cloud nine meal for sure. Nice. Okay. Any particular food could be a cloud nine meal. So long. Any as you... particular food. Uh huh. Yeah. That's great. That's and great. ironically, I'm an excellent cook and an excellent uh-huh. baker, but I just don't enjoy it. You uh-huh. know how some people find cooking really relaxing. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't like. I do. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. do. So no, I, I love to have people. That's funny. Uh, cook for me because mm-hmm. I do appreciate good food. Right. Right. And, um, yeah. You just don't want to be the matter if they just bring me a coffee, I'm happy. As yeah. long as I don't have to take time away from my work to go get it. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. It's focusing more on important things, I guess. Um, okay, so kind of like with the Cloud9 day, if you could project years and years into the future and you're looking back, reflecting again, then you say, wow, this has been my Cloud9 life. What are a couple of the key components that are going to make you say something like that? I don't have any requirements for Mm -hmm. my own Mm -hmm. cloud life experience. Mm -hmm. I do, I I do have, or I have had rather some unusual experiences than uh, some people I know. And so when I think about the impact that my work has had on other people yeah. or the little things that I do, you know, for friends and family and whatnot. Yeah. Those are the things that bring the most joy and satisfaction. It's not so much things that happen to me. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I know there are so many, but if you wouldn't mind just sharing one story where you truly felt like you were on cloud nine, Linda, what would that be? I've had the unique experience of dying three times. Oh my so goodness. Let's I that. know. Yeah. The first time was in 1991. Okay. The second time was 1993. Okay. And the third time was 2009. Oh my goodness. So I know firsthand what happens after life and what death is like. And I can assure you from having experienced it three times that that is the ultimate cloud nine moment. Wow. What can you share a little bit of what the feeling is like or what you're trying to, uh, what you think about in that moment? You don't really think because uh-huh. after death, your experience of life is completely different. In uh-huh. fact, when I came back the first time, the first time I had a choice, uh-huh. if I, I was given a choice, do I want to come back or do I want to stay? And I asked to return. Uh-huh. And the second two times I did not have a choice. And the third time I didn't want to come back. So I was not too happy about being sent back. However, 
um, what was very interesting about the experience is you get to understand what it is like to be love. To be Think love. about, um, you know, a lot of people in their regular life, they want to be loved by other people. They, they want to give love to other people. Uh, but we become, over time, as we age, disconnected from the fact that we are love. And after you're passing away, then you are completely surrounded in love and light and you are reunited with who you really are or had been the whole time in your life on earth and you experience that this pure bliss of being nothing but love was a disconnection that you had and your whole life was directed towards moving back to it some people don't get there until after they die but one of the interesting experiences that i had uh, aside from uh, what other people might have read about this is what happened to me mm -hmm. the first thing that happens is you are greeted as your soul ascends by others that you had loved in your life and who loved you mm -hmm. they come there to ensure you that there is nothing to be afraid of but they know what's going to happen to you next and they know how hard that's going to be so they accompany you so you don't feel alone and as afraid as things unfold and they walk with you into the light when you reach the light the first thing that happens is you have a reverse chronological experience of your life mm -hmm. but you are not experiencing it as historically or chronologically you did while you were alive you experience it in terms of how those who interacted with you the other souls were impacted so if you hurt someone you must now endure the pain that you created if you brought joy to someone you will now experience that joy mm. and of course in the course of your life you have thousands hundreds maybe millions of interactions with people yeah we make bad judgments as we learn from our mistakes we right. do things unintentionally and for some people intentionally to hurt other people and now there's like this big re-experiencing of that, but not from your own point of view, from how it was experienced by that person. The interesting thing about that mm -hmm. is you have to endure being confronted with all those people that you hurt deeply that you didn't even know about. Yeah. And that is hard because, yeah. uh, I like to believe that most people don't go through their life trying to hurt other people. Yeah. Same. Some do, but most don't. Mm -hmm. And so the, the confrontation of the pain that you caused other people, whether it be intentional or not, that is very hard. Yeah. So that is why the other souls around you were there to, to keep you from dissolving into collapse and to understand that you cannot really know love without knowing everything about it 
and everything about it is not necessarily all unicorns and rainbows. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I, I'm going to need to take some time to process all of that. I'm going to watch this again after we, we hang up, but, uh, let me just, that's amazing. And I so much appreciate you sharing that. Um, to, to jump to the final two questions, you know, I want to help people live on cloud nine while they're, while they're here, right. Uh, starting tomorrow, starting today. Do you have any daily habits, routines, rituals, nighttime reflections, midday pump ups that allow you to regain a sense of cloud nine if you're not currently there? Every night before I go to sleep, mm-hmm. I run through uh, all the things that I have to be grateful for, all my blessings, got lots of blessings. Every uh-huh. day has hundreds and hundreds of blessings. And yeah. I've also noticed in my experience that the shit that goes down that doesn't feel so good when it's yeah. happening yeah. is always there for your better good. Yeah. So you just have to trust that. Yes. And right. so I go through that list of all the wonderful things that went on through the day uh, without labeling them good or bad because I know the universe is operating for my better good. And in my yeah. experience, the less it feels like it at the time, the uh, more generous the universe has been with me. And the perfect example I can give for my own life is in, in 2009, I uh-huh. was in a, uh, what should have been a fatal accident that left me with catastrophic brain and spinal cord injuries. Mm-hmm. And it was a very, very difficult time. It took uh, eight years of doing like 18 different rehabs mm-hmm. to regain the ability to speak and wow. uh, return to independent living and recover my cognitive function, mm-hmm. which I had only about 10% of it left at the time. Mm-hmm. couldn't do anything for myself for mm-hmm. a long period. And it was really interesting. Each inability that presented itself as a yeah. result of the injury was very difficult to accept. Mm-hmm. But I suppose because of the way I had always lived, there would be that the first reckoning, like I remember the moment when I realized I could not read, write, or speak. And if my work involves all of those things, so that was a huge loss. Yeah. And when I realized I would have to learn how to write again, I thought, well, first I was upset and I didn't think I could carry on if that was going to be my life. Right. But my second thought was, wow, I'm going to learn how to write again as an adult. I'll be going through the same experience I went through as a child. Mm -hmm. This probably didn't happen to you when you went to school, but in my day, when you went to school, the classrooms were surrounded by examples of cursive writing. Uh And you learn how to write by tracing dotted letters and things like that. And so the realization that I was going to go through that experience Mm -hmm. as an adult was fascinating to Mm -hmm. me. And then I also thought that it would be very interesting to relearn speaking language uh, because I, I couldn't understand anything for the longest time. And at wow. the time of the accident, I spoke five human languages and 10 computer languages. Wow. I only relearned English, but uh-huh. um, that was interesting as well. Uh-huh. And then the final takeaway from that was yeah. I had created uh, tons of propriety 
proprietary frameworks as part of the programming I did for my communities. Uh-huh. And I couldn't explain any of them oh, because I, didn't, uh-huh. I, I had published my 101st book about 10 days before the accident. Wow. After the accident, I didn't understand a single word in that book. Mm-hmm. I only knew it was my picture on the cover and that that was me. <laughs> but I, I could not have explained anything in that book to, to anyone. Wow. But I realized that this would be a great experience be, and would make me even better business coach because... Mm-hmm. There's so many complex ideas that go into building a successful business to designing strategic marketing campaigns. And I thought, Mm -hmm. I will now, once if I can successfully re-engineer my brain and get access to the knowledge I had at the time of the accident once more, I would have this additional layer of experience that would inform me in terms of even better ways that I could simplify those complex ideas for my people. So, and that's what I've been able to do. Yeah. That's unbelievable. So just noticing, I mean, just experiencing all that, you know, to take it back to the question, I'm so glad you extrapolated just having had these experiences, you have this sense of appreciation now for day-to-day activity that is, is so incredible. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that brings the sense of gratitude that you shared every mm-hmm. night that you're that you're reflecting upon. Well, yeah. we take so much for granted. Yeah. So many things we don't think twice about because they happen automatically. Yeah. And one of the interesting experiences I had was one of my permanent injuries is the loss of a lot of autonomic functions mm-hmm. uh, and things like fine motor control. I don't have that anymore. Uh, gross motor control is pretty lousy. I have no proprioception. That is uh, what tells you where you are in space and that uh, your brain is able to make all these minute adjustments as you walk or go up and down stairs or climb a hill or Mm. get down from a stool um, and your body makes all these automatic adjustments. So, um, Without that particular function, getting around is really difficult and dangerous. Yeah. And you don't know, for example, when you're falling until you smash into the ground. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to make the adjustments for uh, changes that you encounter as you're moving around. I'm very fortunate. I don't need a wheelchair to get around. Mm -hmm. But I don't walk the same way that I used to. Mm-hmm. And in order to move from point A to point B, I have to mentally deconstruct all the steps and individually send those instructions wow. to my brain. Wow. So, wow, wow, wow. Uh, I, uh, for, for example, give me some examples of uh, mm-hmm. what that means in real life from a practical standpoint. Of course, because I couldn't control my body or anything, I couldn't get dressed by myself. Mm -hmm. One of my goals was to be able to put on my own pants. Mm -hmm. So that took 1,265 failures until I was able to do it. And it's taken 10 years to be able to negotiate stairs on my own with an alternating gait. I'm not very good at it yet, Uh but I'm working on it. Wow. Just appreciating the small things, honestly, is 
And it's, of course, yeah, you don't yeah. even think twice about yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. You know? You know, so. my, 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 I mean, not, not trying to diminish your story, but my mom has multiple sclerosis and mm-hmm. every day she has to wake up and take a step out of bed is a challenge and it's painful. It's a challenge. So I understand that challenge. For me, yes. for me, just, you know, I'm so grateful that I don't have to experience that, but just seeing her, I've been able to realize that I need to be grateful for every step that I can take because it mm-hmm. can be different in, you know, the snap of a finger. Yeah. In a microsecond, yeah. it could be gone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, we have a lot, a few people in Smart Start actually that have multiple sclerosis. So, yeah. you know, they but it, they don't let it stop them from yeah. accomplishing mm-hmm. the things they want to accomplish. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's that's very wonderful. Yeah. So the last question I have for you is is short and sweet. If you, if someone came up to you and said, I, "I've never felt like I'm on cloud nine before, Linda. Please, can you help me get to cloud nine? What's the first step you would take them on, on their journey to cloud nine? What's like the number one thing that you would say that they needed to do right now to get to cloud nine? If you want to be on cloud nine, the very first thing you need to do is let go of any predefined expectation of what that's going to look like. Wow. Let go of predefined expectation of what that's going to look like. That's beautiful. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Linda. Well, you're welcome, Jordan. It was fun talking to you. Thank you for listening to the Journey to Cloud9 podcast. For more info on everything Cloud9, check out the Journey to Cloud9 website and Jordan's new book, Journey to Cloud9, now available on Amazon. Links are in the show notes.